Welcome to Season 2 of Visiting's Radio Show, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside traditional exhibition spaces. I'm Alan Akagawa. Sarah DeLayden is an artist, public engagement practitioner, and cultural facilitator. You can view some of her projects at the following sites. Um, mke-lax.org Also, spart-la.org And uh, lastly, laurbanrangers.org L-A-U-R-B-A-N-R-A-N-G-E-R-S dot org. I'm Sarah DeLayden, and I'm an artist and a facilitator. I focus on civic engagement. I have a lot of different collectives or collaboratives that I have been part of and I'm still part of. Some of them I helped to initiate, some of them I I, came, I became involved with at a later time, but took leadership role or facilitation role with them. So I feel like while it's always, I still connect with my name, Sarah Delayden, I also feel like I connect a lot with these other names. So um, Los Angeles Urban Rangers is one of them I've worked as a collective I've worked with for a long time. I run an initiative called MKELAX, which is the airport codes from Milwaukee and Los Angeles, and it's about cultural exchange between those two places. Uh, Milwaukee's where I grew up in that region originally, and Los Angeles, I've been out here for over 15 years. So two homes. But anyway, other, other projects like that, my work's a lot about complex collaborations, where I often have to do facilitation work to look at what the power dynamics are, how we use language together, how we relate over time. It becomes a big piece of what the actual artistic and cultural practice is for me. I mean, I'm so fascinated by cultural production, particularly like what gets into our popular cultural psyche. And so, you know, like this way that we have can have such strong attachments to sports teams. Right. I'm just fascinated by that. And even, you know, for me, just as someone comes out of visual spatial art practice, the way that there's even things like colors and the uniforms, you know, people like are through this kind of wearable form are participating in support for their sports team right. or other things like that, Re- being religious about the games themselves. It's very religious. And I wonder about how to take some of that energy and thinking <laughs> and want to apply it to politics because I always feel like right. in a democracy we really need to have very active, regular participation. But I do think that sports teams are expression of collaboration, which is just something I'm fascinated with. And so the point is, is especially sports like baseball or basketball, like one player does not make the game. Even if there is a player or more that's pulled out as extraordinary or focal, mm-hmm. it's still, you need the teamwork to actually accomplish the win. Right. And so I, I've, I always want to figure out how we emphasize that, like, Again, these are all tools to, for me to still come back into what I think of as civic engagement practice. That I just happen to be an artist and use you know, my artist toolbox to help make that civic life, encourage civic life. But I feel like a lot from sports could get translated over. I'm just not so sure how to do it exactly. 
Other than I really enjoy those stadiums when there's like color, you know, just color itself. People in large groups of similar colors. Oh, yeah. A powerful experience to be inside of that. But back to the, the facilitation oh, work. Yeah. Right. So for me, facilitation is, is a term and a concept that I feel like I've I, it's a way to describe my practice for a very long time, but it's a term that I've been owning more as I work. I work a lot with arts organizations or networks or individual artists too, but I also work a lot with social justice networks, practitioners. And sometimes those networks overlap each other. And for me, it's always about picking a, a certain civic or political agenda that I want to see forwarded, which for me is often a lot around land use. You know, how we're navigating development at various scales, the scale of a building, the scale of a street, a neighborhood, a city, a region. And there's all these overlapping layers of of urban planning and design that I think is really affecting how we socialize with each other. And so I want more engagement and more I guess power to certain initiatives that I think are helping look at equity or other ways of understanding development patterns so that it's responsive to the range of cultures that are actually present in any given place that are present currently could become present. This is this, like from so for me, Los Angeles is this effervescing landscape of development going on all the time. Right. And it needs a lot of influence because otherwise, real estate developers. And urban planners, both the ones in government and those that are working private companies and, and kind of related positions, these are the decision makers a lot of times if we don't take concerted effort to get involved, you know, as artists, as, as cultural workers. And this is why we deal with things like displacement that's so frequent. You know, it's a huge, huge challenge going on in this city, this region, and, and overall in this country. So I've noticed that a lot of artists have practices. I think a lot of us that work with engagement in one form or another, for me, that's a facilitation act. Whether you do it through paired conversations like the one we're having or groups of different sizes, it's still negotiating group dynamics to produce the artwork. So I've been particularly interested in what it would, what what it can, what it can make to network those of us that do these kind of practices in Los Angeles, which Los Angeles is really a region to me. Uh, I work a lot with county government, so I do work at that scale, but I do think about it as like a region with flexible borders. You know, it's not always such a clear body of a region, but how. You know how those of us that are practicing here, which I found my, my network over the years. I'd love to hear what you think, but you know, a lot of us practice here in Los Angeles. A lot of us go to other places in this country and other countries to practice. I, f- I find there's practitioners from other countries and U.S. cities that come here sometimes repeatedly. You know, so there's this this influx of practitioners that move through this space we call Los Angeles, doing doing projects, again, often multiple year long projects. If you really want to do engagement based work, socially based work, there's always, time's always a question in it and relationships always a question. 
So I'm interested in how to strengthen a network of practitioners because I think there's just a number of benefits that can come from that. I think that that potentially makes us a constituency, you know, a political body that can take actions together. I think it can provide support for each of us to strengthen. I know for myself, because the work is so time-based, it takes lengths of time. I have to deal with a lot of conflict or just intense power dynamics. There's just all this negotiation going on. I have to I have to be able to interact with a lot of different kinds of cultures and often, again, support different cultural groups to interact with each other when they might not be used to that. You know, it's very it's a little emotional labor that is um, takes a lot for me. So I think, you know, being part of a network, being part of a group of people that are doing similar work is attractive to me. Um, I also think there's just the ability to learn from each other. So all of this grew for me after years of practicing in L.A., but also specifically, I taught undergraduate and graduate school most recently at Otis College of Art and Design Graduate Public Practice, where Suzanne Lacey was the founder of that program and the chair. I taught there for many years. And part of what we were doing while we were teaching as faculty, we were also talking a lot about how we were building a think tank or again a network of practitioners, like that there was a need to have a place to go to intersect with each other. And now when I think about it, I, I don't think about it being one site. I imagine it could be any number of institutions. It could be any number of living rooms. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, IQ, I do a lot out of my living room, too. Because there's something about bringing people into homes that's very powerful, again, for cultural and political conversations. Yeah, so one way that I... I'm just starting to build it. Is I work one of my core collaborators is Dorit Sippis. Um, she runs an initiative she founded called People's Lab. So far, we've been gathering in her studio in Chinatown, but I just started a process with some of my core collaborators from over the years of starting to do. We call them clinics. We usually meet for at least three hours at a time, which three hours always feels like the bare minimum to me to get to any depth. I can get frustrated with these one-hour meetings in terms of like really having some kind of trajectory of thought, but also, of course, this feeling of of relating or what I think of as somatic communication, like how our bodies just start to line up and resonate and have a way of communicating that's not just verbal. That's a really important part of group dynamics, actually, too. So anyway, based on a, a methodology that Dorit has in, in a way of, of supporting leadership development, actually, facilitators growing, we've been running these clinics. And so I've, that's just one place that I am starting to explore how to gather my, what for me has been a number of different networks I've worked in. Again, sometimes because I had positions or projects, you know, sites, institutions, or even like the Los Angeles Urban Rangers, that was a network I helped to form with my collaborators. And these are very specific groups. Some of them overlap, some don't. But it's kind of like a remixing of all these different groups I've participated in to find this core quality of, of a practitioner's network that wants to think about where art and facilitation, or I, w- I would also say where civic engagement intersects. So I'm working here and there at the same time when I'm thinking about Milwaukee. I'm doing a lot of facilitation work there. I realize how much, 
you know, to get change in development patterns or in specific developments, leadership's needed. It's still a lot about who is has power, who can encourage a certain kind of conversation to happen and a certain decision to happen. Like in the end, that's what really moves things a given direction. And I realize how much in Milwaukee there's just a need for leadership. And so myself, but also it's part of what I do there is a lot of support for leadership development or I am sharing a lot of how I do both an art practice but also a facilitation practice there. And again, still like a term that's sometimes better understood, like civic engagement, even though that's a mouthful, that is a term that a lot of these different kinds of sector leaders, again, whether you're coming from government or business or foundations, like they can understand that concept is how do you get people involved politically? How do you get them involved in participating in their neighborhoods? How do you get them hanging out in public space? You know, for whether that's for recreation or protest, like it's just participation. Sometimes I feel like my work does deal with this abstraction of what does it mean to like co-produce a government over time? And voting is an important part of that. But I, I do get concerned that we tend to focus, maybe kind of like with sports teams and World Series, you know, like we tend to focus on these, these more time-sensitive or intense events, like an election, which is, for me, totally a part of piece of the puzzle. But it's like, I really want, you know, I feel like to get up to a decision like who to vote for and to feel confident that you understand the candidates, that you understand the you know the propositions or other decisions that are going to be on the ballot as well as just understand the importance of why a voting process like how that has an effect on the system overall mm -hmm. like that take that's there's so many smaller steps along the way to get to that sure. to any place of confidence so for example when we're still having a lot of challenges getting people out to vote i appreciate all the efforts that different groups doing like ACLU here in Los Angeles and Milwaukee are just, it's, it's just one entity that I connect with a lot that I really appreciate how much effort they put into just getting people to vote, out to vote. But I, I, I kind of maybe come at it from a different angle, which is that I'm supportive of that, but I also, I wanna get back into people understanding that if we're going to practice democracy together, which a lot of times I don't feel like we're in a democracy, I feel like we're inconsistent about it it's still in many ways is more of an oligarchy, meaning the wealthy are the ones that are making decisions about the government. If we really want to practice democracy, like somehow we have to get, again, maybe like sports, sports teams affiliations, like we have to get activated at that kind of like emotional, social level where we're, it's, it's a thread that's moving through many of the things that we do. So I've been collaborating with the Los Angeles County Arts Commission Civic Art Program. It's been five years now. And it's been a really interesting journey across those five years. The focus of the project was an open space. Um, it was called Creative Graffiti Abatement Program. So it was an internal grant within the county that the Civic Art Program received. And their argument was that there's other ways to to do graffiti abatement besides just painting neutral colored building walls with neutral colored paint. You know, besides just repainting to abate graffiti. 
you know, that if we would look at how people, and particularly neighbors in the, in, in the neighborhoods where the public space was located, public space could, in this instance, was parks and libraries that we worked with. If we could work on a feeling of, of public attachment, you know, of care for the public space. And of course, for most of us, we're motivated by people. Like, how do we care about our neighbors? How do we care about the government staff workers, like the librarians or the park coordinators? And how, does, how do we just get more of a sense of the people and the place that we're in? And if we do that, that that's a way of just creating a sense of, of vibrancy and interconnectivity that'll has at least the potential to affect whether graffiti will happen or not. So that was kind of like the premise that came up. But where, with the trajectory of the project, <clears throat> was that for me, it was a lot about, again, working with four different public spaces in South Los Angeles County. And there were really four very different kinds of neighborhoods that I worked in. West Athens, for Woodcrest Library, AC Bilbrew Library in Willowbrook, East Rancho Dominguez, Park in East Rancho Dominguez and Victoria Park in Carson. And these are all um, you know, part of unincorporated county of Los Angeles. So we did what, in, when we, I helped to do a lot of the initial site research and, and kind of imagine what a civic art project could be at each of these sites, brought in four different sets of artists to work with, one at each site. and. While we had that goal that a civic art, or really what's also thought of as a public art program, over time to still produce something that would be physical and permanent, something that could longer term exist at that site. For me, it was about opening up and thinking about like, well, what else can we produce socially? How can we do engagement during the whole project as well as come up with engagement recommendations once the physical piece is in? It also became about making a documentary. There's a feature documentary that we completed now. So how do we use media along the way as a feedback loop with the neighbors, but also still as an output? We made a feature-length um, documentary that I made with my collaborator, Marques Grabano. It's called Civic Art, Four Stories from South Los Angeles. So it's actually up on the, county's, uh, the County Arts Commission YouTube page, if anyone wants to see it. You can see it there for free. Um, but then it also became a lot about still how to encourage leadership again and relate certain neighbors connecting with each other and, and, and for me specifically connecting with the staff workers that were at the site. Using the art projects as a way of gathering people to um, again, look at what the focus of the art project was, whether that was food or history, whatever the kind of poetic subject was, always always linking that still to, you know, what again does it mean to value this public space? What does it mean to connect with your public space staff workers? What does it mean to understand what your su who the supervisor is and how the supervisor's office is connected? Also, I was always looking for where there were groups, like friends of groups or neighborhood associations, you know, where there are other entities that could become part of what we were doing. Um, because those are important entities, and again, they often tend to, those are entities that sometimes struggle to get younger generations participating in them. So how could I produce a social event, an art event, that would make room for all of that? And like, I'll just add one other layer to it for me was, a lot of these neighborhoods were historically black neighborhoods. 
Um, that's still a significant population of people who, who associate to being African-American, but there also were significant populations that are Latina or Latino, Asian-American, other, uh, other immigrant groups or representation. So it was a really broad cultural base for the most part at most of the public spaces, but these groups often weren't necessarily engaging with each other. And there's various reasons for that. But the point is, is that for me, making different socially and physically based artworks was a mechanism to just still kind of help the neighbors see see themselves and find pla- a place to intersect with each other. So I'm, I'm describing a lot of layers, and it's complex. But I guess I'm saying that complexity to me is what's necessary to again actually get at what a civic engagement experience. In my mind, what's ideal is that, or again, as a practice of democracy, like you have to get a range of who actually lives and works and potentially cares about that place. So back to how each of us wants to define democracy <laughs> or advocate for a different political system, if that's what you prefer to do. <laughs> It really is. And yeah, so sometimes when I talk about this stuff, I recognize that, uh, you know, it's not a quick conversation and it can be abstract. But I also feel like in the end right now, you and I live in a government that is affecting our lives in a whole myriad of ways. And of course, not just the government, but all the influencers on the government are going to affect what happens on your street or how this property will be viewed or valued over time. You know, there's these, these invisible forces that are related to land that are there all the time. So I just, I think that, you know, again, marketplace can, is in some ways, you make a decision, I make a decision every day, a set of decisions every day around what markets we're encouraging or discouraging by how we use our labor, by how we spend our money. And again, there's these micro decisions that do add up to like, where, for example, Milwaukee, I'm interested in where is Milwaukee, you know, reinforcing its own market? And then when is it just buying into a Los Angeles market? Like with media or something else. You know, I mean, there's so many things that Los Angeles makes that script what the U.S. is, such that a smaller U.S. city in middle America, like Milwaukee, just adopts it. You know, it's very easy to just consume what Los Angeles produces. And so for me, when I'm focusing on artists and the arts in Milwaukee, as I'm also focusing on it here, part of what I'm hoping for is, is to reinforce a sense of regionalism. Like, we can value the artists of the place that we're in. We can value the artists, you know, that we can purchase even, or we can purchase goods or services, or whatever it is, of the place that we're in. You know, just valuing the local. So Los Angeles Urban Rangers was one of the first things I did when I moved here. Um, I met Emily Scott, who was really the initiator of the collective. And she had been a National Park Service Ranger in Utah and in Alaska for many years, and still was at times practicing it, even though she had come to Los Angeles to do an art history PhD at uh, UCLA. 
So I think also like she was kind of negotiating these different different cultures, like the culture she was in in academia at UCLA and this National Park Service culture that's a lot about these big expanses of space, wilderness space. And just how does that all fit? And I had just moved here from Milwaukee. So this was in 2004 that we met and started this collective along with two other, uh, at that time, Los Angeles residents and cultural workers, Therese Kelly and Jenny Price. And so the four of us started a collective and we've stayed with it. Um, other rangers have come in and out to do programs and other things. But the basic premise of it was to use the character, really, of a National Park Service ranger, which is a federal government worker, wilderness spaces of national parks, national forests. You know, these are actually federal lands, public lands. And so we, we again, we are all Midwesterners that had migrated to Los Angeles for various reasons, but all related to the arts and cultural production one way or another. And the ranger in the national parks was a, a character and an agency that we had a fondness for, that we were curious about, you know, which spaces we like to spend time in. The ranger was kind of a facilitator or a guide to these wilderness spaces. And so our, the premise was Los Angeles can also feel like a wilderness space. You know, there's, again, so many different kinds of land uses going on, so many different kinds of people. Could we use this ranger character as a guide? You know, could we become a Los Angeles urban ranger? Both for ourselves, like for me, it was this fantastic way to get to know Los Angeles was through the lens of exploring as a ranger. But also, could we support other people that feel curious about exploring Los Angeles? So it was for me, it was still a lot about place-based activities like guided hikes or campfire talks. We produced maps, we produced field kits, and we, we looked again at the language that the National Park Service used and mimicked it quite closely in, in many of these other forms. But we were applying it to this very urban, kind of almost super urban context. And it was a way to look at what nature is, nature that we might call human nature or less human nature, how all these kinds of nature are intersecting. You know, the city is, is still nature. City can still be wilderness. And, and for us, too, over time, it was a way to look again at land use. Like, what were the politics of space going on? So one of our core projects was called Malibu Public Beaches. It was part of our Public Access 101 series. I was looking at where, the, where Malibu does have public beaches. And we would um, do safaris that basically train people how to use their public space. And part of why that was an a important thing to do at the time, but still, still is active in my mind, is that there's a lot of private land ownership on the beach where those private landowners either don't perceive that there's public space on the beach or don't want there to be public access to it and have all different things that they do to create barriers to people accessing the public land. And our premise was, one, you know, these beaches, like in Malibu, the actual beach itself, but also the way Santa Monica Mountains or and there's other kind of land qualities that are quite beautiful and important to a sense of place here, like a sense of connection. Um, but you still need to know how to get there. And you still need to know 
you know, again, if someone, if a private land owner is telling you this is private land, you need to know how to advocate for yourself. So even things like we made a map that showed different access ways, like literally just provided that information, but also pointed out where in the state constitution it's listed that these are public lands. You know, just gave tools so that you, and then socially help people go out and be present and do, we had different beach activities we did with people once we were out there. One thing I've learned about working with the rangers and other land use projects in LA is every piece of land I choose, there's almost always multiple government bodies. And that's part of where it gets confusing. So if you actually want to get support from a government body to be to do something at the public space, it's not always a quick read or even an easy access to know who to talk to, what what to ask for, you know, where to justify your request. And you know, government's complicated. So that's why a lot of people, you know, it's real easy to just be like, if someone, private landowner is telling you you can't be here, to just be like, okay, I guess I can't be here. And then we have a privatized beach. Maybe a privatized ocean, too. It's, only <laughs> it's funny when you say it, right? It sounds weird, but that's the lived experience can feel like that a lot. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Sarah DeLayden for taking the time to speak with us. During Sarah's interview, she mentions a feature-length documentary film. You can, you can view this at www.lacountyarts.org front slash civic hyphen art hyphen four hyphen stories. That's lacountyarts.org front slash C-I-V-I-C hyphen A-R-T hyphen F-O-U-R hyphen S-T-O-R-I-E-S. The video is towards the bottom of this page and there's a 20 minute and a 60 minute version. You can find more episodes of Visitings Radio Show at SoundCloud, iTunes, Dublab.com or our website, Visitings.net. If you visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes, please leave a comment so more people can learn about our show. That'd be great. Uh, thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center and Dub Lab for their support. I'm Alan Akagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Thank you.